This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Greg Mylan, System Vice President of Payer Strategy at SSM Health. Greg, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare and so many interesting, innovative things going on. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me just a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, I am System Vice President for Payer Strategies with SSM Healthcare. I've been here about 30 years. Um, SSM is in four states. We have 23 hospitals, 10 post-acute facilities. Um, we have about 40,000 employees, 11,000 associated physicians and providers, and about 290 physician offices. Um, it's about $8 billion a year um, across the different companies. So it's, it's a large system spread over four states, um, and it keeps my life very interesting. I can imagine, you know, it seems like with all that territory and so many different communities and patient populations, I'm sure that you're um, having to serve and figure out and navigate. Um, what's it really like, you know, making sure that you are doing everything you can for all those different areas that you're serving? Um, it's a lot of patience and learning. Um, so it, it did take time um, to acclimate and truly understand who we were, where we fit into each market, the market's needs. Um, but I will also say that I have a very, very good team that I work with, um, the team I work directly with in the payer relationships, but also we have teams to the left and right of me. We have some really good people here and they help us uh, help us understand where we're in the market. They were very helpful to me in acclimating and they're also very good at keeping us up to date. So I, I'd say it's not an individual effort. It really is a team effort here. And that's what I think makes SSM such a, a fun place to work and an encouraging place to, to try and get things done. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Now, when you think about where we're at today, a couple years since COVID first hit the U.S. and um, you know now getting through that, but then seeing where we're at economically in terms of inflation and everything else, what are you spending most of your time on today? How are you thinking about what you need now in, in planning for the future? So I came here knowing that the company wanted to to move from a fee-for-service economy to a, a pop health economy. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, going from like a bodybuilder to a marathon runner. So they're, they're both athletes. They both have, you know, uh, strengths and weaknesses. Um, but it, but it really, it, it was coming here was knowing that that's what we were going to engage with the payers, build out the resources and getting efficient. So a lot of time went into creating the environment to do that and, and establishing the relationships with the payers. Um, you are right. We, we moved into that and we picked probably one of the worst times in, in healthcare history to do that, having COVID start three months into our foray into that. But things are looking up and looking better. We, we've managed to get through um, COVID in those APM programs and we're just working to improve the things that we got right and fix the things that we didn't. Um, I unfortunately spend a lot of time with my team in what I call crisis contracting. Um, this is probably the worst economic environment I've seen in about 33 years in healthcare. And so while we really didn't want that to be 
the major focus or a major initiative for us. It's something that we simply had to do out of necessity this year. So there was a lot of time spent on contracts or emphasis on that unit pricing and things that we were trying to take a little bit of emphasis off. Um, and, and the teams did a good job. We appreciated the, the payers working with us and we're just doing the best we can in a tight environment or a tough environment with that. Um, the other place I probably spend a lot of time, um, I'm dealing with the new issues and the old issues. So I laugh how many of the issues between payers and providers have existed um, since I started in healthcare and I've worked for payers and providers. So I've seen these issues from both sides of the table. And some things that we fought about 20 years ago, we continue to be at odds on. But I also do find it um, when we get something that's truly different, something that's innovative, uh, uh, an opening with a payer in a different kind of relationship, those are some of the things that I found the most encouraging and hopeful for like that generation that picks up, you know, when people like me, where I'm at in my career, you know, the people after us, hopefully they have a good entry point and we're finding a better way to work together with the, with the payers, with the employers. Um, I'm happy to know that people are focusing on qualities and things like that. And that's something that I hope me, my kids, my grandkids benefit from, you know, years past. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great point in, in, you know, when you think about some of the ways that you're slowly transitioning into um, more population health, more value, different types of relationships with payers, where do you see um, the biggest opportunities or where are the payers um, most willing to engage in new ideas or, or new potential ways of connecting and contracting? Relationships are even more important in a pay for performance, a value-based, a population health model. Um, so they start with the contract negotiation, then rapidly fold into the activities that you can do together, because it really is a collaborative effort, whereas fee-for-service is less so. Um, so time and value um, comes from that, um, and I enjoy that. I see a lot of speed to market kind of thinking as we look, um, the environment around us is rapidly changing. It, it's not just the things that we do and probably will continue to, but it's also the things that we do that there is, for lack of a better word, competition coming in. And if we're going to remain doing it as opposed to pieces of the healthcare pie moving to them, um, we need to do it as well or better. And, and that creates some challenges because technology changes the way we do business. Um, but it is important because in the value-based relationship, the ability to start uh, the relationship with the patient, have a line of sight to all the things that are going on with them is the best place to be and be positioned to create the most uh, increase, improvement, and quality, and opportunity. It, it puts you in the best place to, you know, help them and and create value and, and and increase quality in the community. If you start losing pieces of the healthcare puzzle or pie, um, it can work, but it's going to be harder. It, it's better if you can have one entity that is really kind of in charge from beginning to end, whether it's a PCP visit a surgical uh, episode of care or, you know, a course of treatment for cancer. I think that makes a lot of sense and sounds like it's, you know, a great place to start. And as you've mentioned, move from there. 
Now, when you do think about the future, what is your strategy for growth and investment over the next year or two? Where are you planning to spend most of your resources and energy? Well, growth is an interesting thing. This is the most challenging environment we've had as far as capacity and physicians and nurses and things like that. If you really truly want to be in pop health versus fee for service, it's hard to work in both worlds. So you need to look at your, your portfolio of relationships with payers a little differently. Having a relationship with every payer, you know, it used to be administratively burdensome, but if you're going to do population health, you need large, robust populations so that when you put programs in place, your ability to see what you're doing and is that making a positive influence and change, you know, having larger relationships makes that possible. Small ones, it's very hard to have that kind of relationship with the insurance company and, and then, you know, the employers and individuals that they're covering. So um, when we talk about growth, growth may come in our value-based programs by having less relationships with them. And it's, it's, so it's a little different way of thinking. Um, I look at my markets, I look at the density of the population, the geographic dispersion, where I have rural assets versus urban assets. And we're really trying to think about how many relationships we need to provide access um, and choices to the community, but then have large relationships that in a population health mode, um, we, we can see enough patients with that payer and, and make sure that our programs are working, our programs are engaging the doctors and, and the individuals and we're getting benefit for it. So we're, we're looking differently at how many relationships we have all together, including fee-for-service, and we'll probably start, our growth will be growth with payers, but not necessarily in the number of payers. That makes a lot of sense and, you know, really uh, seems to be a great strategy in terms of being able to serve your patient populations um, and then really get close with those who are making the biggest difference and, and able to work well with you on the new population health um, contracts and value-based care and those types of things. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, what are you most excited about right now? What um, really is something that's going well? I, I would say two things. Um, I've done this a long, long time. Um, I remember when the Accountable Care Act came out and some of the excitement around um, innovation in the space around value and stuff. But I also remember looking at it, capitation, uh, bundled pricing, episodes of care, some of the ideas that were going to come out. There was a part of me that that laughed a little because they're things that we've done before. Um, I remember setting up bundle prices and I remember taking down bundle prices uh, with payers. So it was interesting when that came out, but what's neat now is I see more and more within my peer group, I, I read it in the papers, more providers are accepting and moving past accepting and embracing population health. And I really truly believe, you know, each system is going to have trade-offs and things that are better or worse. But when we look at the issues we face in healthcare and the value of what we're getting for a dollar spent, population health is really, that's why I came to SSM was their commitment to it and accepting it would be a challenge and difficult, but really feeling it was the best model and the best way to bring value to our community. So I look at more providers accepting it and embracing it. And I think that's really encouraging. And the other thing I would say is, is the payers, uh, the number of payers that are doing it, 
the types of programs they have available. Um, you're seeing increasingly better uh, coordination. Um, you're seeing better reporting and data sharing and, and both sides are learning from each other some of the challenges and complexities of creating change, but it's really aligning us to doing it versus being positional. So I'm encouraged that more people are trying to do the things that we're trying to do because I believe it is good and, and meaningful work. Um, and I also am happy to see that it's being universally embraced, payer, provider, employer, um, you know, and that, that it's something that everybody's starting to work together on. I love to hear that. And, you know, it's great to hear that more, as you mentioned, providers are accepting and embracing population health and then payers too, really coming around the corner and developing those types of programs. What do you think is different about this time versus last time? And do you think it'll continue to be working and move in that direction going forward? Um, I, I just think it's the, the, the increasing pressure on getting value out of the dollars. There's only so many resources to go around. Um, if you look at the gross domestic product and how what was spent a few years ago versus now, um, it's increasing at a, at a rapid rate, which is just amazing when you consider how large that is for us to move that much. So it's, it's really out of necessity that some of this change is starting to come. Um, I worked for 15 years in consulting, 26 states, about 200 hospitals. And in those hospitals, I had many different ones. I had urban ones, I had disparate impact, rural, and you saw, you know, it's easier in the urban markets to do these things, but we're starting to have dialogue about how we do this in a rural market or, or different areas where it's harder to, you can't have bricks and mortar every two miles that they can access. Um, so you, you see those things and it's encouraging. And um, as, as, as I, I look at it, I had those different clients I had some clients that, that quite honestly were very successful in the fee-for-service uh, economy. Um, they were high quality hospitals, their hospitals because of the quality of their services, they were in demand and they felt less the need to do this. So it was very different working with the ones looking at population health and is this something I should do and how do I do it? And then working with the ones that were really, we, this really isn't something we're interested in or need to do. Um, from time to time, I still talk to old clients, and it really kind of makes me feel good to hear some of those that were standing on the sideline have moved, and some of those that felt they were honestly doing the best they could for the community by remaining in a fee-for-service and not feeling the need to do pop health. I've been pleasantly surprised to hear some of them are embracing it too, and I really do think it's out of need. We need to be good stewards with these resources and where we fit into the community, and, and we need to be giving them value for every dollar they spend when they seek services with us. And that's the quality of the outcome. And, and that's the cost and efficiency of, of those services. Absolutely. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting discussion. I appreciate you sharing so much information and really having some great thoughts in terms of what is going well now and, and where we're headed in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura.